What's up, guys? How's it going? What's up? <laughs> We're back, of course, with One another episode. And you know, I think you know we our last two episodes were pretty serious, right? Yeah, for sure. And so now I think this one's a little bit more fun, still kind of serious, but yeah, but it's you know good little, serious. It's like right. we want this to happen. Today we are talking about home buying. We are. How exciting. We're all adults here. We can own things. Right? We, we <laughs> can do this, you know. Real quick, on this subject of owning things, shout out yes. um, to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who made it so that women could own their own houses without their husband or father's signature. Rest in power, queen. You will be Ow. missed. I knew she did a lot, but I, I'm still learning oh how much yeah, she same. did. She I have no idea. truly a warrior, a pioneer for women in this country. It's incredible what she was able to do. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And she was like, what, 87? Mm-hmm. Lady lived a lot of life. She did. And she, she lived, lived an amazing life. Right? On every front, so. she will definitely be missed for more than one reason. Right. For mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Who knew? I for the longest I thought she was um I thought she was on the other side of things. We'll just say that. But you know, now yeah. I'm learning she wasn't. So yeah, that's good. That's yeah. really good. Yeah. But yeah, home buying. <laughs> now that we're we're here. Yeah. So I think we're both kind of in separate places. Um, I have me and David, my boyfriend have just kind of started looking at places, but I know you and your husband are like smack dab in the middle of this process, right in the middle. (laughs) And it's making me tear my hair out. (laughs) Oh Lord. So tell us about it. Like what, what's going on? Like, you know, uh, well, you know, it's really, a very long process that requires a lot of, well, it's a very long process for me, for people like Mm -hmm. me who aren't, you know, they don't have riches galore. Um, Regular people that have to work towards buying a house. You know, so we're at the point right now where we're looking, we've gotten pre-approved, but we're still looking and at the same time, uh, sorry, at the same time, trying to um fix our credit well yeah fix and maintain the fixes that's the hard part yeah that's the part that no one talks about like Mm -hmm. once you get your credit up you gotta like keep it there (laughs) that's hard i can't even imagine yeah i can't and they make it hard (laughs) so when are you guys hoping to get a home i know it's kind of up in the air with COVID and yeah, uh, anything else. Well, we're we're looking to close by the end of the year or early in the year in 2021. Okay. But that's all subjective. Right. Th- these are hopes. Right. Every, that's the thing about home buying is that until it's done, ain't exactly. shit done. <laughs> exactly. Ain't shit done. You can literally just, just go back to the drawing board in 2.5 seconds. Like, Everything's right. up in the air until you get them keys and walk in that door. Sign them papers, oh, give them all that money. Oh my done. gosh. So. The anxiety you must be having. I couldn't even do it. <laughs> yes, I am. You're like, I'm doing anxiety great. is I'm an doing great. understatement. 
hoping the best for you too. Yeah, it's a, it's a process, but we are excited about it. And I think that's, you know, the thing that matters is that it's really, you know, a life milestone. So people are really motivated when mm-hmm. it gets to, you know, the nitty gritty with it. So you just got to keep at it. You know, don't, right. don't get discouraged. It's so easy to get discouraged in situations like this. Are you guys trying to move like further out in the suburbs? Uh, really just, <laughs> just want to get a house. Kinda, we gotcha. know where we don't okay. want to live, where it's not, we don't want to oh, live on okay. the north side, right? We want to stay within a certain amount of time between the place that I work <clears throat> and we like this area mm-hmm. that we're renting in right now. Right. Um, so we want to stay around here. But, okay. That makes sense. You know, in general, if we can find a beautiful house on the other side of the south side, sure. Well, at least you know where you don't want to live. That's that's a nice start, you know. Yo, Southside for life. <laughs> but um, no, oh, David and I actually, I know, right? <laughs> David and I actually just decided that um, we don't want to move to the suburbs. We just decided that, you know, we're city folk and we just need to embrace it. So we are going to be one of those couples with like the little... The fancy townhome in the city, like, oh, you know, <laughs> one of those three story townhomes or whatever, like yeah. that's probably going to end up being us. Cause we just, yeah. I mean, we're, that's just, mm-hmm. that's just who we are, I guess. Yankees. I know, but like you should see some of these townhomes though. I mean, like it's plenty of space, mm-hmm. you know, you say that to your head kids. <laughs> you think it's still you think it's gonna change well it's gonna be too um, late by that time well i mean we just because yeah right well you can always sell it you know that's just a starter home oh um, goodness no i'm it, it just depends mm-hmm. really i mean kids take do take up way more space than you expect them to but it's not it's not gonna murder you or anything if you have like two to three bedroom house right and I think it just all depends on your own personal preferences. You know, every couple's different and we're all looking for different things, which is actually one of the topics we're going to be talking about today. Uh-huh. Um, so, I mean, that's, I guess, pretty much where we're at for now. But who knows? Yeah. Life always likes to throw a wrench in your plans. So we'll see what happens from there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, every house does not have to be the house that you're in for the rest of your life, you know. Right. Even if right. you do get into, you know, a really long uh, mortgage, you can always sell mm-hmm. and remortgage and blah, 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 blah. There's Right. Mm-hmm. So speaking of, let's talk about home buying during COVID-19. What mm-hmm. is the current market looking like? Um, you kind of have an idea because obviously you're kind mm-hmm. of in the middle of it. Yeah. So well, let's actually there. You know, much better than you would think. So, um, I just want to just throw out some real estate vocabulary real quick because I'm going to be kind of rolling through some stuff and I don't want you to be like, what the heck does that mean? Um, I would be that. Yeah. mm -hmm. I would be doing that. Um, (laughs) so let me just go through, uh, APR. That's like the first thing we'll be talking about. It's, um, annual percentage rate. Uh, APR is a broader measure of the cost of borrowing money. It reflects not only the interest rate, but also points, fees, and other charges paid to obtain a loan. Okay. Um, an appraisal is the estimate of the market value of a property based on the comparable recent 
sales of homes nearby so basically if somebody else just bought the house down the street and somebody else bought the house around the corner they're just going to average those and figure out how much the house you want to buy is worth or the house you want to sell sell yeah closing costs are the expenses and fees associated with the purchase and the sale of a house such as like your taxes your title insurance appraisal fees lender fees basically paying everybody and paying for your your um inspection and paying everybody that does all the work that you require to start a house yeah that you got to pay them all right and then uh, commission is basically the fee charged by a real estate agent for his services. In many cases, the seller pays the commission. You don't have anything to do with that. Right. So. Uh, but that's just basically what your real estate agent is going to make off of your sale. Yeah. Yeah. Down payment. I think everybody knows what that is because you do that for a lot of different things. But it's just the money um, that the buyer is going to pay at closing towards the purchase mm-hmm. of a home. So th- that's part of your closing cost is your down payment. Um, mm-hmm. And down payments are usually well you know it depends on on what you what kind of deal you get but they're usually around 10 percent of mm-hmm. the total cost mm-hmm. um, could be more could be less yeah right um equity means like the amount remaining uh the amount of money like remaining on your house after subtracting the amount of a mortgage loan from the sale price of a home so let's say your house is in total worth $400,000 and you have $200,000 left on your mortgage loan. So then the equity of the house is the other $200,000. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's pretty much it. Oh, well, fixed rate mortgage uh, is a mortgage loan with an interest rate that won't change during whatever amount of time that the length of the loan is. Okay. So on that note, um, right now, mortgage rates and interest rates are the lowest that they've been ever Mm -hmm. so um right now an average 30-year fixed mortgage rate is running in between 2.99 percent and 3.72 percent wow on average they are you know 4.2 percent or 3.399 to 4.2 percent and that's average like last year they were high they were at 4.75 um but this year they're averaging much much lower and Mm -hmm. that's because the economy's in the shitter so You know, and as I was like kind of researching what the market is like right now, I noticed too that there are some differences between, you know, depending on where you live, you know, obviously the South, it's a lot cheaper to get a house here. Yeah, it's it's a lot easier to find something. There's plenty of residential neighborhoods, lots of space. We're not stacked up on top of each other. It's just completely different. Yeah. down here mm-hmm. I, I read the story california even though california is a big state like texas is yeah maybe they have no space left they have nothing <laughs> to offer you okay? well that's why they're coming over here yeah you You're know like californians are coming here thousand dollar two-bedroom shack in california <laughs> and that's why after my husband got out of the military we were like nah we can't stay here <laughs> how long did y'all live in california uh we lived in california for five four or five years Really? Uh-huh. How did y'all make it that long? His whole time he was stationed up there, huh? How did y'all make it that long? I would have been drowning. Military money, girl. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> that helps. We got that military collision. <laughs> and also that military terrible, terrible mental illness that comes after it, okay? So right. it's not worth the money. Don't do yeah, it. Yeah, no. No. It's it's not. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Yep. It's not. Um, but, uh, wow. Okay. But yeah, no, you're right about California. And yeah. then I think about other places like, 
you know, all of those New England states up mm. there, you know, oh. drastically different. Jesus Christ. Try to buy a house in Connecticut if you want to. Okay. <laughs> but I read this story about this girl who recently just got a home during COVID-19. And she said that she actually didn't have a great experience because as soon as quarantine hit and all of that, um, her lender and her agent were both slow to respond and like got really apprehensive. And like, I guess because they were kind of nervous about the market and like, oh, you know, point? where things were going to go. And like, yeah. And so she was like, she was like, this, it was really weird because she was talking to him like almost every day. And then boom, they just, you know, when was this? Stop responding. Um, so I think she started started her process right before covid that's why yeah. and she at this yeah. point real estate agents are ready to roll they are <laughs> ready to go like they are not playing any games they are 100 yes. ready to roll this because they're selling houses like you know sliced bread they're going out there so they're yeah. getting a shit ton of commission um because the interest rates are so low they can just you know throw houses at people so right. real estate agents are mm out there girl the lenders too they are like oh you want some you want some money (laughs) i'm telling you like i've been you know checking out like realtor.com zillow all of those um and at least speaking for here in houston plenty of houses have been listed and they're flying off the market like like in the next like couple hours, I've seen homes Dude, pending checks yes, already. I, I was like, "What the?" This heck? happened to us like four times. We were looking at a house one day, and then by the end oh of the my, week, it was in contract. Yeah. And I'm like, "What the hell?" Oh my goodness! Oh but, heck no! I mean, we're, I mean, seriously though, we're looking at like what this means. So basically, I just want to explain this a little bit. What a low interest rate means is that you can afford more house. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so basically we can we're buying like five we're looking at five bedroom houses for like three bedroom house prices. Uh but you can buy a bigger house for less money and and sustain it, like maintain that financial responsibility, right? Because a lot of times right. people will overbuy. Um they'll mm-hmm. buy a house that, that's way too much financially for them because they're not taking into account the HOA fees and the mm-hmm. uh, you know, the interest rate and all everything, you know, uh, mm-hmm. maintenance fees, the fact that they have to pay for their own landscaping. It's right <laughs> way more than you think. <clears throat> but at this point, you can do that and not drown. So exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 kind of a pretty good place that we're in when it comes to available yeah. homes and getting your first home and yes. all of that. Yes. Um, during this time, unfortunately, a lot of people have been furloughed and laid off and, yeah. you know, all of that. So of course, steady employment should be the main factor when you're right. deciding on buying a house right now. And yeah, keep in mind that the reason, unfortunately, that a lot of these houses are going on sales because people are losing their houses. Um, so mm-hmm. you have True. to, don't want to end up in that situation um so please be mindful that if you if you're not sure about your job or if you have a job where you know you're going back and forth or something like that this is probably not the time um because they will take that away from you very quickly that right those moratoriums on mortgages uh, has ended 
and evictions has ended so mm-hmm. i wouldn't take the risk right now if you're not 100 percent stable where you are right i did see a lot of foreclosed homes on there so unfortunate you know it's an unfortunate side effect of what's going on right now Absolutely. but if you're trying to buy right now make sure your employment is steady and it's you know, make sure that you have everything that you need yeah. in this process. And you know, so. I mean, that's just in general. Even if, yeah. you know, even two or three years down the road, if you go back and listen to this for some tips, you're still going to need to make sure that you're steady with your with your income, right? I, I wouldn't recommend somebody mm-hmm. that's just like freelancing. Right. I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> Unless well, like, was... you're making six figures freelancing, which is a possible thing. But you know what I mean? Like. No, you're, you're totally right. You know, I'm big into the YouTuber game. Mm -hmm. And I actually was watching a YouTuber today who she said that home buying was just so stressful for her. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, it's not as stressful if you're a normal person with a normal salary and a normal job. Mm -hmm. When you're a YouTuber, Mm -hmm. just making money off of brand deals. She's like, it is the most stressful thing you could go through. And you know what? Yeah, it's the same because I have a job like that, right? I'm technically True. an independent contractor. True. Um, so I have to just rely on my steady business, my, my steady customers. But, you know, we have backups. We, I have my husband's income and stuff like that. So, you know, we, we have other options. But if you're by yourself in this or, for example, if you're both yeah. freelancers or something, just be very, very careful. Make sure that you have a really stacked uh, savings. Yeah, And you have to be super organized because, you know, with me, I have, you know, a full-time job with a salary. Someone else pays me. They take Mm -hmm. out my taxes. Mm -hmm. All of that gets recorded. But when you're obviously an independent contractor, you have to do a lot of that yourself. So I take out my own taxes each month and it's, it hurts my heart every time I do it. I can't imagine. (laughs) I can just spin this though. See, with me, it's already gone. So I'm just like, oh, well. You don't miss it. (laughs) I miss it. I got to sit it in. See, the thing with me is I have to actually sit it into a savings account that I could just. But what I did, you know what I did? And I feel I I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm smart for this. What I Mm -hmm. did is I take the um, I take my tax money out every month and then I invest it. I put it into the stock market so that it can grow. And then by the time I have to take it out, I can just boom, take it all out. And then whatever I have left over is my finger quote tax return wow yeah you're smart <laughs> so i mean it really relies wow. on me growing like you know investing yeah. well and putting myself into uh, markets that are growing and short-term growth you know because i'm going to be taking it out regularly so but wow. i think that it's really helped me first of all learn more about investing and get more right you know well-versed in that area you're a genius i knew i kept you around for a reason yeah you know (laughs) do my thing (laughs) so moving into a a brief general breakdown you know of what you're paying for when you get a home right Mm -hmm. so i i I just kind of want to make it known that you're not just purchasing a home to live in right you're actually purchasing land and most importantly you're purchasing equity yeah So I talked to a real estate agent not too long ago and they said, think of your home as a bank account. 
the more you put into it, the more it appreciates. Mm -hmm. So it's not like your money is just going wherever into a black hole, like you're renting an apartment, you know, you're actually literally putting money into an asset and it's only going to grow. Exactly. You know, so the more you put into it, the more value you have as a person, that's part of your net worth. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And once you own a home, I always like to say, once you own a home, you own a lot because you can do so much with that home. You you know, you can hold on to it and then you never have to pay mortgage again, or you can lease it out and get Mm -hmm. extra income, or you can sell it and get a big payout. Yeah. Or, you know, if, you know, I don't know, for example, some big commercial company wants to come and build a big business center over your home. They have to pay you to take that land. It's just a lot of different things you can do with a home. I was always like, why doesn't that guy in up just take the money? You know, like could have just took the money and been (laughs) fancy living. Here we come. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like I just, the idea of owning a home is just, it honestly equates to financial freedom for me. You know what? Yes. And I think that a lot of our people don't really realize the value of it because right. a lot of, you know, black people, people of color didn't grow up in in homes that their parents owned. Right. They grew right. up in, in renting situations mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. parents have never owned anything for because for a very long time, black people were not allowed to own anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> It's another little caveat of systemic racism there. <laughs> right. Check out our last episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, we are coming out of that. Our generation and the generation before ours, our parents are starting to own homes. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, they're older now, mm-hmm. but they're starting to buy. And right. Yes. We are all about it. I know people. I know so many homeowners. And I can't think of any of, you know, the people that are older than us. I can't think of a lot of them that own, right? Right. Um, but for us, I know, you know, eight to ten people that own homes by themselves, right? I know yeah. women that own homes by themselves, men that own homes. Ooh. Like, it's, this is our time, right? We are the ones right. to start the Black economic revolution, um we are the ones that are going to be owning land the land that our ancestors worked we own it now right so it's a beautiful thing people it's a beautiful thing love it you know even people your ancestors worked the land too y'all y'all immigrant farmers and stuff like that y'all are buying houses it's amazing you know and in a time where cost of living is just so ridiculous yeah we're still making it happen. I freaking yeah. love it. And and it's because owning is so much more financially, so much more financially beneficial is what I'm looking for. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because first of all, like I, like we just said, you're building on yourself. Um, right. You're building your own, you know, financial, what they call economic, whatever, up. And um, it's very much more profitable for you. And then, mm-hmm. honestly, it just costs less, right? You're paying so mm-hmm. much more in rent than you would be in mortgage. Yep. Mm-hmm. I agree. Because even when we've been looking, we pay more in rent now mm-hmm. we would owning a house. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. We'll talk more about yeah. that later. I have some interesting advice from a realtor. So, speaking of, let's get into kind of the nitty gritty, the parts mm-hmm. that I'm sure everyone wants to know. We want to know 
credit, debt, whatever type of requirements for owning a home. What yeah. what do we need to do <laughs> to get to that financial freedom? Yeah. Because I need to know personally. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> basically, the most important thing is your credit score. That's where Ugh. you start. And look, we're not even going to get into the trap that credit scores are right now. But mm-hmm. we're just going to talk about what the requirements are. So basically, first thing you'll hear is that you need your FICO credit score. Now, that's different mm-hmm. than your TransUnion or your Experian. You're not going to find your FICO credit score on Credit Karma. That's going to be a whole different deal. So um, your FICO score are generally, you know, purpose credit scores developed by the Fair Isaac Corporation. That's FICO, Fair Isaac Corporation. And they're used by lenders and creditors to help assess the consumer's creditworthiness. So basically they decide um, if you're worthy of owning land by Mm -hmm. your credit score. Your FICO credit score, yeah. Um, So... Mm -hmm. Look at your FICO credit score as something different. Um, you won't be able to find that as easily. Um, you're going to have to rely on a lot more on your real estate agent to help you with your FICO score and your lender as well. Um, there's mm-hmm. a lot of new buyer programs that help you with your FICO score. You know, there's a lot of options there. So basically what you'll need starting out for a conventional loan from pretty much any lender. And this information is from a lender, Quicken Loans. Um, QuickenLoans.com has a little reference center where um, Mm -hmm. you can kind of go in there and figure out what you need to start buying a house, right? So Mm -hmm. um, on their their section about uh, minimum credit score by mortgage loan type, the conventional loan, you'll need a minimum FICO score of 620. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. But let's just be honest, you know. Yeah. I mean, <sighs> there are other types of loans. So yes. There's a FHA loan, which is the Federal Housing Administration. And so for the FHA loan, you'll be required to give 3.5% down payment. Um, right. And that's if you have a credit score of 580 or more. Now, okay. if you have a credit score of 580 or 500 to 580, now you can't have less than 500 to buy a house they okay. won't take you but if you okay. have between 500 and 580 but not over 580 you're gonna that's when you're gonna be playing paying between 10 uh, around 10 percent for your down payment um, okay yeah but there's another type of of loan which is the one that we have um, where if you sell your soul to the government you can get a va loan and you don't have a minimum score <laughs> very interesting um but that's only for veterans that's I only assume. for veterans yeah. um and it's insured by the u.s department of veterans affairs okay. only if you're a veteran of any of the u.s now any branch coast guard navy mm-hmm. army marines uh space force air force any of hmm. those okay um, you and you get out and you'll have your va loan now when you're in you ain't got no VA loan. You don't get that until afterwards. So if you're looking for a loan for a house, I would wait until after you get out. Just rent until after you get out of the military. Because before okay. then, it's, it's um, you're not going to get any special help, really. I mean, you can you can get more help from like um, USAA or Navy Federal. They'll be more lenient with you. But your, your mm-hmm. down payment is still going to be what it is. So we don't have to pay a down payment. Because okay. we have the VA loan. So that means mm-hmm. that our closing costs 
are going to be way, way, way less than they would be for a normal loan. Gotcha. There is no minimum score to to get pre-approved for the VA loan. So that's how we got pre-approved. But Mm -hmm. in order to actively move forward with a lender, you have to go with uh, 500 to 580. Um, But usually with a VA loan, they try to be more careful and go with conventional loan scores. So you'll usually need around a 620. What What we're seeing now is that like I said before, people are letting these houses fly off the shelf. So they're more lenient. They're more willing to work with you. Um, So if yeah. you have a 580 <clears throat> and you're like, oh, God, I don't think I can just go for it. Just go. I mean, what's yeah. the worst they can say? It's no. Right. I will say, too, that, you know, just based on our conversations, that even if you have a lower score, yeah. but you have money in the bank to put down yes like a good chunk to put down yes. they will definitely work with you because money you. talks money talks <laughs> that's and you know what that's the main thing just be confident whatever it is you just go in there and be like this is what i have take it or leave it mm-hmm. they might leave it but they might mm-hmm. take it you know what i mean right so just be be open you know don't be scared of rejection because i think that's what <laughs> for me personally that's what made me so apprehensive and why we waited so long just mm-hmm. because i'm like oh god what if they say no i'll never buy a house yeah but so gonna go in there full force so while you're i guess applying for homes kind of like what we talked about in the intro of this video you have to maintain yeah that credit score mm-hmm. so while you're yeah so basically um your credit score can't really move, right? When you're going, when you're dealing with the lender, it, ha- it mm-hmm. has to stay very level. You know, maybe two or three points each, but try not to do any purchases or anything like that while you're in the middle of buying a house, because they'll right. throw you to the curb real quick. Mm. Um, so if your credit's not great and you want to build it really quick, you know, to to buy a house, there's a couple of mm-hmm. ways you can do that. Um, I went to DebtQuest USA, and they have an article called "How I C- How Can I Raise My Credit Score by Fifty Points Fast." And fifty mm-hmm. points is generally, you know, a quick way for you to get where you need to be. Fifty points could get you to five hundred, right? So mm-hmm. at least you're at the at the minimum. So here's a couple of breakdowns of the most significant factors that affect your credit: the payment history, thirty five percent of um, the factors that affect your credit. So this figure basically demonstrates to lenders whether your past credit payments have been made on time and whether they can expect you to make future payments on time. 30% is the amount owed on credit utilization. So for example, if you have like a maxed out credit card, it can indicate to a lender that you're overextended and you're more likely to make late or missed payments. I am doomed. At least right now I am. Girl, look, look, I'm right there with you. Uh, I'm just paying stuff off a little by little. But 15% of it is the length of your history. So the longer your credit mm. history is, you know, good or bad, honestly, the longer that you've had credit, in any case, the better that it is. Uh, 10% of it is the credit mix, basically how much variety you have in your credit. And mm. ten, the last 10% would just be new credit, basically um, how you shop for credit, whether you've opened several new credit cards in a short amount of time, anything like that. Mm. Here are some tips to help you build your credit really quickly. So um, first things first, check your credit report for any errors. 
anything that you see mm-hmm. on your credit, like in collections mm-hmm. or um, in your accounts that you're like, I don't even know what that is. Dispute mm-hmm. it. Right. And yep. the worst they can say again, the worst they can say is no. Right. And then it'll yep. still be on your credit, but it's not going to hurt you. It's never going to make your credit score go up for you to dispute something on your credit. So, girl, like every other week, I'm like, dispute, 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 dispute. <laughs> I literally did that not too long ago. There was yeah. a bunch of old accounts, exactly. which a lot, just so you guys know, most of your accounts should fall off within seven years yeah. if they're mm-hmm. closed and you haven't paid them. Exactly. Um, and I had like three on there yeah. that yeah. should have fell off. And I was like, oh, uh oh. Let me go on uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, I got see the thing that's so annoying for me is I have a couple of things that are really high impact, but they're six years old. Like mm. Five or six years old. And I'm like just yeah, just two more years. Yeah. You're um, shy. Mm-hmm. So another thing that can help you build up your credit is setting up recurring payments like auto pay. Um Oof. Now that, that is sure, scary. Yeah, it is. But it, it makes sure that you're getting auto automatic payments and it tells the company that you're lending from that you have enough money to just let it fly out of your bank right sure because right. clearly that's what that means because i'm not doing that that's enough i so. got one thing on auto pay and not even that i'm like god dang it and let's be honest when we talk about like our people you know a lot of us do not do auto pay no we figure that you know we'll pay it when we get to it or whatever you if know I got but it, you'll get it if i don't well we'll see you know <laughs> but the thing about it is at least when it comes to the bills that you know you need every yeah. month Just those pay. should be on auto pay yeah because you're gonna pay you have to pay them either way right you, you have, have to pay to. your lights you have to pay your internet so another way you can help build your credit is to open a new credit card which is something that i did now, when you do this, you have to be very, very careful to use the credit card only as a tool to build your credit. This is not something that you can use to pay, right? You don't want to, you don't want to overutilize your credit. Cause like I said, that's a huge mark off. Mm-hmm. So open a new credit card and keep it at like no more than 30% utilization, right? I have a very small credit limit. And so the first month that I got this credit card, I didn't know what I was doing. I had to learn this lesson the hard way. So I was like, oh, well, obviously they want me to use it. But with a very small credit limit, it gets maxed out really fast, right? Right. And so when a credit card gets maxed out, you're done. So my credit dropped 55 points. Oh my gosh. 55 points for using 50%. I didn't even use the whole thing, girl. I was I had used $100 of it because I was like, well, that seems reasonable. No. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Holy crap. 55 points in a week and a half. <laughs> oh, no. So from there, I've been, and of course, when you pay it off, it only gives you back maybe four mm. or five points. Right. Right. You know, oh, so I hate annoying. that. <laughs> so you're basically starting back from zero, which was very, very, it was a big blow for me because I was at the point where I just got the boost and we were ready to go, girl. We were ready to press the go button on the on the thing on the on the mm-hmm. lender and then boom this happens and we have to go back to step one so just be very careful and make sure that mm-hmm. you're you're knowledgeable about where you know if you if you can get a bigger credit limit um mm-hmm. so that you have more space there and you and you don't have to you know be so nervous about the fees or you know how much anything uh how much credit you have left before you can max out so diversify the types of credit you get obviously credit cards are helpful 
but you also want to have different kinds of credit on there. So for example, there's different types of credit. One's called revolving credit, which is the most mm-hmm. common type of credit. Um, this process of borrowing money and paying back the amount that you've used on a rotating basis keeps your credit actively current. Um, there's mm-hmm. installment credit, which uh, the arrangement mm-hmm. supp- specifies payment amounts for a certain amount of time. Student loans and uh, home equity mm-hmm. loans fit this description. Also like rent center. Uh, <laughs> right. Same thing. I was, um, Ashley Furniture, you know. Yeah, like, all that. That's um, how I got my furniture. Sure, you can do that. You can open one of those accounts to build your credit, but just make sure that they do report because a lot of those places will bring you in saying that they'll help you with your credit, but they won't actually help you build the credit. They'll just give you an initial boost and then mm-hmm. it won't it won't build from there because they don't report consistently. Right. Um, so make sure that you are if you if you're going to go that route, make sure that you get from a place that reports Secured credit, which is which is the one that I have, is the form that requires some sort of collateral, which is used as a lien against a loan. So, for example, um, secured credit cards, mortgage right. auto loans also. And then there's open credit, which um, includes like company credit cards, cell phone accounts, home utilities, etc. Um, they don't require interest, but they do appear on your credit report. Like, so if you mess up on your utilities or something like that, you can definitely have a knockoff of your credit for that. Um, And that leads Mm -hmm. right into the next tip, which is always pay your bills on time. Yes. Now, when you pay on time, they don't report. But when you miss a payment, they real quick. They report and they report big. Uh Um, Generally, you know, if you're missing big payments, your credit score is liable to drop anywhere between 50 and 100 points because of one late payment. Yeah. So you have to be very, very diligent with stuff like that. Um, you know don't overextend yourself for that reason especially if you're in the market for buying a house and you know if you get one late payment it's going to take much more time many more on-time payments to get back to where you were it's like Um, that saying where they say trust is lost in buckets and gained back with droplets it's true so it's that's how they operate right so it's credit that's how they operate (laughs) yeah So it's a lot of work, but improving your score is absolutely worth the effort, even though it's all a scam and it's all to keep the black man down. It's still <laughs> worth playing their game just because, you know, it's, you got to do it. There's no way right. around it. You, you have to do it. So, but which kind of, which kind of brings us into the next big portion, the process of buying a home. <laughs> right. right like how do we start and like like what how do we move through this process yeah so um i went to uh rocket mortgage another kind of arm of quicken loans which is the other place that i i went through um so rocketmortgage.com has a um uh, a checklist of your Mm. you know best home buying checklist right so the things that you can can do to start Mm-hmm. So the number one thing on this list is determine how much home you can afford. Amen. So, uh-huh. Amen. Yeah. So the first thing you'll need to do is determine your DTI, which is your debt to income ratio, which is literally okay. exactly what it sounds like. It's your monthly expenses versus your monthly cash intake. So okay. this includes all the bills you have to pay divided by your gross monthly income. And that's gross, not net. So Okay. 
Um, consider your debts, include any recurring bills such as student loans, car payments, child support, anything that you pay on a monthly basis, it counts. Um, your DTI okay. should be no higher than 43% in order to start for most lenders. Okay. <clears throat> and okay. even though that's the highest, it really shouldn't be that high. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a lot of people, if you've ever heard of being house poor, that means that you spent so much money on your house that you don't have any funds left over for anything, right? You can't eat out, you can't travel, you can't do even a lot of the expenses that come on top of your mortgage, like uh, maintenance of the house, even lawn maintenance, landscaping, stuff like that, HOA fees, stuff, fees, fees, HOA fees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, That's a little scary. Yeah. So just don't find yourself in that situation. You have to be very clear about how much you can afford because they look a lender is not going to tell you not to break yourself buying a house. Right. They just right. want your money. Right. Exactly. So after you've determined that you're in a good place with your DTI, um, you have to second step is safer down payment. So like mm-hmm. I said, most down payments are between three point five and ten percent, depending on which kind of loan you get. But if you put down a, di- a down payment of 20% or more, it's going to exempt you from what's called private mortgage insurance. And that's mm-hmm. a fee that your lender will typically typically require with a down payment of less than 20%. And that's in order to make sure that you don't default on the loan, right? Make sure that you don't just walk away. Right. So a bigger down payment will often result in a lower interest rate. And that's the same thing with cars, right? The higher of a down payment you put down on a car, the less you have to pay in interest. So... The bigger initial payment against the principal is the less interest of a borrower, sorry, less interest a borrower will pay over the life of the loan. Now, going back to our vocabulary, the principal is the amount of money you borrow, right? So the total amount of the house, that's what your principal is. And mm-hmm. then everything else is your interest. Right. And so um, you want to make sure that the bigger your down payment is right the biggest payment that you have against the principal the less interest that the borrower will pay over the life of the loan makes sense right yeah. right um so you could save thousands of dollars right with a bigger mm-hmm. down payment so that's why it's important to save as much as you can right mm-hmm. even if you want to buy a house quickly you you really want to have a good down payment so that you can save a lot of money on your house a bigger down payment, again, same as a car, can result in smaller monthly payments just because there's that much less that you own the house. And a smaller monthly payments could influence future borrower. borrow. Why can I not say that word? Borrowers. <laughs> borrowers. Uh, it can influence future borrowers. For example, if you wanted to buy another house or qualify for another car loan or whatever you want to do, um, the smaller monthly payment that you have, you know, it's more influential for future lenders so right um so the third thing that you're going to be doing is shopping for a real estate agent and you want to find one that you can trust because Mm -hmm. real estate agents can be very very iffy sometimes so you want to make sure that you find somebody that you know is looking out for you um Mm -hmm. and you want to find someone that's looking for your best interest Right. Because you're going to be leaning on them, right, for everything, such as information about the market, whether or not the price that they're offering you is appropriate, where the best neighborhoods, you know, are the schools that they're that they're uh, in the neighborhood that they're pushing you towards 
are they good like mm-hmm. you know you want to be able to mm-hmm. trust somebody not to basically stick you with a lemon right same thing as if you're buying a car right. you don't want to go to a crappy car lot that's going to oversell you on a shitty car yep been there the that. Ex- girl <laughs> just did that my car is a piece of crap <laughs> So the next thing you're going to do after you find a uh, a real estate agent is you're going to want to get a mortgage pre-approved. Oh my God, what is wrong with me with the PRs? <laughs> a mortgage pre-approval and choose a lender. Now, a lot of yes. real estate agents already work with lenders, mm-hmm. but um, this is something that you want to do as soon as possible, right? Even before you start looking at places, you want to make sure you got the money to be looking at these places, right? And that'll also help you decide how much you can spend, right, on a house. So you're not looking at houses that are way too out of your league or anything like that based on what you're going to be able to get. Right. I read um, that, you know, when you have that pre-approval letter, it also helps the seller see you as a yeah. serious home buyer. Yeah, exactly. And I right. can like for sure say that is true because mm-hmm. David and I have been looking at places mm-hmm. and you can tell just by the way they talk to you, almost like you're like children coming mm-hmm. in to like look at a house. Yeah, like and you're I'm just... like, do you not know who I am? <laughs> <laughs> um, so the next thing after you find your lender, you're going to want to look for a house. And this is where we are. This is the good part, right? This is what you want to do. That's the fun part. This is the fun part. Um, And you always want to have, this is another important part of why you want your real estate agent to be trusted because you're going to need their advice, right? They're going to offer advice on things that you may never have considered, especially if you're a first time home buyer. There's stuff that you would never think of because I mean, house buying is way more complicated (laughs) than they make it seem on TV for sure. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of factors that you may never have thought of. So a real estate agent, somebody that's really experienced and knows, you know, what knows a lender. That's why, you know, a lot of them work with lenders. So they're really familiar with them. Um, right. And how they work and what they will and won't deal with, you know? Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure that your, your real estate agent is somebody that can offer you advice on, on anything that you could want to know about your house. Right. And even if you yep. do, you know, rely a lot on your real estate agent. You also want to make sure you do your own looking around too. So Mm. don't just rely on them to send you stuff. There are, like we just said, a million houses out there that are for sale and Mm -hmm. you can just find one that you like, right? Even if you want to look online or just if you know what neighborhood you want to live in, go drive Mm -hmm. around, right? See if you see any for sale signs in the front. You got to start somewhere, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So... After you found the perfect place, next you want to make an offer. Uh, so, when, okay. So when it comes to making an offer, is are you like bidding on the house essentially, or like like, or are you um, just saying I have this much? Yeah, basically, like this is what I got. Take it or leave it. That's the point. That's the point that you're at. Okay. So this is where the lender is looking at your FICO. Mm. This is where the seller is looking at your your history. This is you know what you're this is where all of that stuff comes in okay so and your real estate agent this is where their trustworthiness is key okay because okay. they are the ones that's going to be making that deal for you and if they're making you a great deal if they're fighting for you that's what you're looking for now a lot of people mm-hmm. when they work with their lenders they are you know working under the table right there that's their homeboy so they might be trying to get over on you 
Um, so that's why it's super important that you find somebody that you trust and somebody that you can really know is going to fight for you. So really shop around for your real estate agent. Don't feel like, you know, just because your cousin Ray Ray is a real estate agent and you feel like you got to go to him, but he's only been doing real estate for two and a half months. You ain't got to go to Ray Ray. Okay. Go to Miss Jean down the street who's been doing real estate for 25 years because she babysat you and she loves you. Okay. How many Ray Rays do we actually know? I feel like we all got a cousin who does real estate. Like seriously. God, yeah. We all have one. <laughs> yeah. So they can help you find out things like how hot the market is um, nationally, mm-hmm. locally, whatever. Um, they can tell you like how long the house has been on the market, whether there are already offers out on the house and, you know, stuff like that. So in a slow market, home buyers can reasonably hope for a small discount on the asking price just because, you know, they want money, right? They want discounts. But in a more competitive market, making an offer below the price is not going to get you anywhere. You're going to get rejected. So, you know, if your real estate agent is really familiar with the market, they can let you know, I think maybe we should wait a couple months to make an offer on this. Or, you know, a, a lot of the time a real estate agent will just be trying to rush you through the process so they can get their commission. But if they really mm-hmm. care about you, they'll they'll take the time to ride the market out, right? They'll take the time to make sure that you're getting the best price. Um, and you can make an offer below asking price. You can. Because like I said, it's, this is what I got. Mm-hmm. Take it or leave it. That's, mm-hmm. that's the whole process, right? So just, wow. I mean, like I said, this is the key point that your real estate agent comes in because they're going to be the ones that are at the table with the lenders telling them look uh, uh, the sellers i mean telling them this is what we got come on what can we do what can we do wow i didn't know that they had that big of a role i mean i knew they helped you look for homes but mm-hmm. i didn't know it went past that yeah okay so after you have uh found you know made your offer and your offer has been accepted rocket mortgage uh suggests that you hire a real estate attorney now, hmm. in some states, real estate attorneys are required for the process, but in other states, they're not. So, you know, you may not need to have one, but it's still mm-hmm. really smart to have one because, like I said, it's a really, really complicated situation. Um, so you want to make sure that somebody that that's really smart with the legal stuff mm-hmm. is coming at you with the complex, you know, coming at you with smart uh, solutions to the complex legal situations that home buying can put you in. So, um, right. again, somebody that you can trust, somebody that is going to help you really get the best deal and really fight for you in the contract. Oh, man. Yeah. So, uh, buying a home is one of the biggest purchases you can ever make. So, you want right. to be as safe as possible, right? Especially with, you're going to have a lot of questions, right? So, you're going to have a lot of legal mm-hmm. questions. Ask the attorney. You're going to have a lot of home buying questions. Ask the real estate agent. And they're going to be working together very closely. So so after okay. you do that, you're going to want to schedule your inspection. Right. Now, home inspection is something that everybody forgets about. But it is necessary. Now, when it's new construction, if you're buying new construction or building your own home, the inspection is included. Because usually they just did it. So you don't have to come in and have somebody do their own inspection. But if you're buying an older house... Or, I mean, even, it doesn't even have to be old as long as, if it's a house that's not brand new. Right. Maybe it was built last year. You need to get an inspection. Um, right. A home inspection is, is usually legally required. But 
it's really just the best thing for you to do in general. So your home inspection is going to reveal minor problems. Um, but don't panic. Every inspection reveals minor problems. Don't be like, oh, God, I'll never, I'll never be able to buy this house. They're all going to be like, oh, yeah, there's one wire underneath their house that's uh, slightly stripped. So you can't buy it. <laughs> right. But just be really calm about this mm-hmm. part of it. Inspe- inspection's gonna inspect, right? It's gonna happen right. either way. It's just some some stuff you'll have to just fix here, fix there, and this is where that savings account comes in because closing costs right. inspection is part of your closing costs. So you should um, pay attention to a lot of different things, and we'll talk a little bit more about inspection as well. But um, you know, every state has different requirements <laughs> for your, your state inspection. Some places um, have. You know, like Houston, we barely have anything. Like, and you can but you can build anything anywhere you want to, and they're like, "Yeah, sure, fine. That's that looks good." <laughs> build out a tin. It's got a paper roof. Sure, let's do it. <laughs> so, next on the list is prepare for closing. Now, this is before closing. You have to prepare for closing before closing. Um, so, once your inspection passes you're you're going to be heading you know hurdling towards the finish line so this is the point where you're going to want to make sure that you're 100 percent on your credit your credit cannot move at this point do not make any big purchases don't buy a car don't touch a credit card don't touch it you don't want any part of this to move your credit so during this waiting period your lender is going to arrange um to make the appraisal right of the property so if the appraised amount is significantly lower than the agreed upon price, buyers can ask the seller to lower the price or to assume some of the costs during closing. Um, hmm. So this this is the point where you're going to want to consider like, you know, your renovations, your improvements. You want to mm-hmm. look at homeowners insurance, um, right. you know, start shopping around for contractors. It takes time. So just. Get yourself to a place where, okay, we're going towards the finish line. I'm going to need to get this, this, and this done once we get in here and make those decisions. This is definitely the point where you'll need homeowner's insurance because they're mm-hmm. going to they're gonna probably require proof uh, at closing. So buy right. your insurance. Last thing, close on your new home. Um, so, Finally. I know. Look. <laughs> I'm tell- didn't I tell you it was a long process? Oh my goodness. Now you finally get the keys, okay? So oh my goodness. things that you'll need for your, your closing. You're gonna need a lot of documentation. You're gonna whoever every single adult in that house is gonna need to bring identification. Okay. Mm-hmm. So make sure that everybody that's on the mortgage has brought mm-hmm. their identification to the closing. You're gonna need your right. proof of insurance. Usually a cashier's check, it says checks or cashier's checks, but they usually don't take anything but cashier's checks in my experience. Bring okay. your cashier's check to cover all the closing costs, which they will tell you after um, they accept your offer and after you do the inspection. Get your mm-hmm. cashier's check to cover your closing costs. And patience, because you're going to be signing a lot of paper. Like yeah. a lot of paperwork. I saw this girl. She showed her contract. It was like 75 pages. I was like, I'm sorry. And it requires initials on every freaking page. 
Oh my gosh. Like it's basically you, the real estate agent and the lawyer just in a train, signing papers, pass it on, sign the paper, pass it on, sign the paper, pass it on for a long time. So you got patience. You're going to be there for a while. Don't, don't go and close on your house when you got to work an hour and a half. That ain't going to work. Right. You need to have a whole day set aside for closing, honestly, because you get a long process. And that's just the day of closing, right? But at the end of that long, arduous process, you get your <laughs> keys and you can go into your house. Oh, my goodness. I was just tired listening yeah. to the process. Right. <laughs> Am I ready for this? Like, what? Nobody's ready until you do it. Uh, I'm telling you, it's just, oh you got to just start. Yeah, but after you close, you're good to go. You're in there. You're ready to roll. So it's a long process, but it's worth it. You know, it's the like I said, like one of the biggest purchases you will ever make. So it's going to be long, but it's worth it. It needs to be thorough, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So, So, I mean, mean, we talked about like what to look for when you're looking at a house. But could you just like give me a little bit more of what you're looking for? So what do you look for when you look for a house? Like, seriously. So I kind of divided this list into like serious things and fun things. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So serious things, obviously you want to search for the right price. Duh. You already mentioned that. Right. Um, another big thing would definitely be to prioritize the location. Um, I think people need to understand homes are long-term. <laughs> so, you definitely want to do your own research as well as rely on your real estate agent, like you mm-hmm. mentioned, about the area, the neighborhood. What's it going to be looking like, you know, in the next few years? What are the schools like, you know? Is it safe to walk your dog or whatever, you know? You really need to think long term because once you're there, you're there. Definitely something you want to be on the lookout for. Obviously, with that... um with the inspection, you'll be able to, you know, assess the property condition and, you know, you'll be able to look for things like that as well. On this list on Zillow.com, which if you guys know, Zillow.com is a very popular place to look for homes. Mm-hmm. They have a little note on here that says not to focus on minor cosmetic details, mm-hmm. but I'd like to differ just a little bit because I feel like if you're buying this house, Okay, you want it to be everything you want it to be, right? You know, and not saying that it should drastically influence your decision, but you want a nice looking kitchen, you know, you want a nice looking bathroom or a big enough bathroom for your kids and whatever, you know? Yeah. So also assess at, you know, when you're looking at that kind of stuff, are you willing to do renovations? Right. right. Do you have enough money to do that? Because if you are willing to do renovations, you're paying a lower price for the house. You know, be mindful of that. If you don't, if you're going into a house and it's like not 100% perfect, but the price is right, the price is lower than your loan, then you have space. You, know, you got right. space to move around. So use it. You know, don't right. be tripping if, if the house has like not granite counters and you want granite right. counters. You can get a granite counter. That's fine. Exactly. Later. Don't, I think that's what they mean is like, don't sweat the small stuff because you can, Mm -hmm. you own it, right? You can change it. Right. Or you can decide that maybe you don't feel like doing renovations. Like that's just not something you're into and Mm -hmm. you want to buy the house the way you want the house. Yeah. And that's your decision, you know? Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, I, I definitely say look at that. I also went to realtor.com again, another, you know, home viewing website. Mm -hmm. And they mentioned a point about nearby water, which I never really considered or thought about. Um, but they said, you know, the neighborhood Creek might look, you know, picturesque and beautiful and wonderful now, but you know, what will it look like when it's cascading through your back door? And I was like, Girl, <laughs> especially since we live in Houston, that's our number one priority is that, you we know, don't get stuck in a flood like we did in Harvey. Exactly. So that's definitely something you want to pay attention to. And I think that kind of goes for, you know, any natural disaster, really, you know, like if yes. you're buying a home out in the woods in California, that's something you want to consider. Yes. Is you know, are wildfires possible around this area? Am I gonna be able to where I'm buying this home? fireplace without danger? Right? Exactly. You know, so uh, definitely something to think about, and I'm I'm glad they mentioned that too. Yeah, for sure. Um, now on to the fun things, okay? Because I like the fun things. <laughs> uh, so besides the location and the site and the neighborhood of the home. Also want to look at the home's appeal, quote appeal is what they call it. Mm -hmm, but it's basically appeal. kind of like, yes, curb appeal. Kind of like that vibe you get when you walk into the place, mm -hmm. you know? Like, how does it feel, you know? And I know it sounds so cliche and hippie and stuff, but does it feel like a home to you? Do you feel like you can raise your kids in it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it matters. You know, it matters. And I, I see some of these homes, you know, I drive by them every day and some of them are like really super modern and updated and like a yeah. bunch of technology and like all these fancy gadgets and stuff and i'm like okay my three-year-old gonna break that in like the first week like Baby, you know look. <laughs> <laughs> like it's those type of things yeah. that you have to think about you yeah. know like it has to fit you and your family obviously yeah, exactly um Be the size of the home of your future as well you don't want to exactly. buy a house and you know because you got one kid and it's like 1500 square feet and you right in the next three years you're planning on having a few more kids you want to exactly plan, like like you said before houses are long term y'all that was actually what i was gonna say don't buy mm, yeah. a 1500 square foot house mm -hmm. when you're probably gonna have three or four kids because mm -hmm. i promise you it is gonna be a mess baby these kids take up the whole house <laughs> They take up the whole house. I don't have any place in my house right now that don't have toys in it. <laughs> you know? And so another fun thing that realtor.com had mentioned, or no, this is actually from the spruce.com. Mm -hmm. um, they mentioned looking at your bathrooms and the way that they're set up. Again, another good point that is so underrated. When you think about how the bathrooms are set up or how they're shared, so for example, if you have, let's say you have the master bedroom and then you have, you know, a second bedroom and a third bedroom and only the second bedroom has a private bathroom, mm -hmm. but there are no other bathrooms. Mm -hmm. That means those two kids in those other rooms are going to be fighting over that one bathroom in, you know, the second bedroom. Yeah. So you don't want it to ever get to that point where y'all are having to fight over bathrooms or, you know, right. something, you know, not working out for the kids or for you or whatever. You want to keep that in consideration. You know, mm -hmm. do you want to have a bathroom outside of your bedroom or do you want it inside? You know, right. 
all those things matter because when it comes to that point where I'm running late, David's running late, the three kids are running late, nobody can find their clothes, everything's all over the floor. <laughs> like, you know, like, girl, <laughs> it makes a difference. This was literally us <laughs> yesterday. Yesterday, late to my own husband's surprise party. <laughs> like, where are the shoes? All the shoes are gone. Why is this crazy you know? chocolate on it? I'm telling you, it, it, it makes a difference, yeah. you know? Because he was able to poop in the downstairs bathroom while I put my makeup on in the upstairs bathroom. See? It matters. Boom. <laughs> Boom. It matters. <laughs> and then the last kind of big thing that I would say is closets and storage. Again, <sighs> underrated. There is nothing more annoying than having a house with no storage. Like, what the heck? All this space and I don't have any closets. <laughs> I have to use my guest room as a closet because my house has no closets. Yeah, you don't most, have any. I have the most amount yeah. of kitchen cabinets that anyone has ever seen in their life. <laughs> and no other ones. You're right. You don't have any, like, hall closets no, or any. I have a linen closet outside the guest room that's that big. And yeah. I have a walk-in closet in the guest bedroom. My bedroom has a, I don't even know what this is. <laughs> a step-in closet. Basically, you can't even step <laughs> a toe-in. Well, that's definitely something to consider because as your family grows, you will have a lot more junk and a <laughs> like lot I more said, things to store. Every single house, <laughs> every single room in my house has a toy in it. You know, so definitely something you want to look for. You know, I know in my apartment right now, we don't technically have a linen closet. So our towels are just kind of bunched up in a drawer. Yeah. Like, you know, like, so you don't want that to be the case when yeah. you're thinking long term, right? Long term, exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, those are, those are kind of my things that I, you know, I'm looking at and looking for in a home, yeah, I love you that. know. I mean, eventually, I'm not there yet. Yeah. But, you know. Um, yeah, like you said, location is just probably the most important thing to me. Is, mm -hmm. you know, is it going to flood here? Mm -hmm. Are the schools good? Is is it close to my job, right? Like, mm. just simple mm -hmm. stuff. Because what's the traffic like in the mornings, right? Um, what's the what's yes. the atmosphere like at night? Is it, does it feel dangerous at night? Are there like loiterers? Yep. Is it you know nice? Is it quiet? Is it too quiet? Is it too dark? Little everything, right? Is there enough yeah. street lights? Do the people so drive true. too fast down the residential neighborhood and you, you're scared your kids might get run over? All of that stuff matters. Or, I've heard of people driving through you know their future neighborhoods, just driving through at night and. Mm -hmm. During the day, just to see kind of yeah, it's going yeah. on. And, yeah, yeah. And, uh, do it several times, several right. times. Not just a one in the morning, <clears throat> one at night. No, because because traffic conditions might be different on different mm -hmm. days. Right. Make sure you drive on a weekend and on a weekday. Mm -hmm. Make sure you drive night, daytime. Make sure you drive rain to see what the water flow is on the street. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, dude. Any opportunity you can get to go over there and see what it's like during whatever kind of conditions. Because, like, you, it's so hard to get. I mean, look, you don't want to yes. get stuck in a place that's that you can't afford to get out of. And that's 
killing you financially because it keeps flooding and you keep having to replace things in your house mm-hmm. or it's, mm-hmm. it's not a good place for your car and it keeps making you lose tires or the, the street's too rough and your kids can't play on it. You don't want to get stuck, yeah. you know, in a place like it- that. So just be very, very aware. And that's why shopping around is so, 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 so important. I agree too. On that same note, I would also look for like any major construction, you know, mm-hmm. considering that I work for an engineering company. If you know that that area is going to be going through some major renovations soon, or if they're currently going through it, that's also something to consider because a lot of times during construction, you know, water gets cut off on accident, you know, roads get, you know, torn up and you got all types of dangerous materials laid out on the ground. And obviously it shouldn't be like this, but it is, but it is, um, you know, and I used to live near construction zone and I swear I had a nail in my tire every day. I swear. Yeah. It was that bad. You also, one other thing that a lot of people forget about, um, on that same note is HOAs, um, that's homeowners associations. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if you have a really good homeowners association, they won't allow construction to go on like that. Right. But they usually charge really high fees and the HOA yeah. fee is something, you know, you're going to pay yearly. Right. So, but you want to make sure that you're not having to pay 500, 600, $700 a year for mm-hmm. an HOA. Right. <clears throat> and make sure like if you, it's really important because the HOA can really screw you over um, mm-hmm. or it can be very helpful just depending on what your preferences are, right? So if you want to live in the suburbs, you're probably going to have a more strict HOA and they're going to be yep. patrolling, you know, controlling how, how you renovate your house. Um, yep. They may not let you renovate your house at all because they don't want mm-hmm. construction in the neighborhood. So right. you have to be very, you know, talk to the neighborhood, t- sorry, talk to the neighbors if you can. Um, and ask them how's the HOA, right? The HOA in the neighborhood that we're in, I would never buy a house here because they be tripping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they called the I cops bet. on us because what? our trash can was in front of the house and not in the. They back called of the, house. the cops though. The police, the police for, for the freaking trash can. Yeah, because it was in front of the house and not in the backyard. And then, oh, that uh, that was the first time they called the cops. The second time was because um, the empty lot behind our house that belongs to the school had trash in it. What does that have to do with y'all? I'm still trying to figure that out. But yeah, they called the cops on them. So oh my be, gosh. Look, this is what happens when you're black in a white neighborhood. You know, <laughs> be mindful of this kind of shit. When you're in, if you're looking at your neighborhood and you see all white people, usually, I'm not going to say always, but usually the experience that you have in that neighborhood is not going to be beneficial for you and it's not going to be beneficial mm-hmm. for your kids think about you know the people that your mm-hmm. kids are going to meet in the neighborhood the kids right are they going to mm-hmm. are they going to be accepted right are you going to be accepted in the neighborhood mm-hmm. are you going to be able to speak to your neighbors you know put flags in front of your house or maybe political yard signs and stuff in front of your house and not get harassed and this is an unfortunate reality for our people yes. because you know, it's it's definitely not the same among yeah. groups of people. Mm-hmm. But I know for me and David, that is a, a very top priority when it comes to where we're going to move. It's a diverse neighborhood. Um, do we feel safe? Would our kids feel safe? You know, walking from the neighborhood park back home, you know, type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I 
that is a big thing that, you know, if you are a person of color, you want to make sure you keep that as a priority. I would definitely say, but we're we're rounding out the episode. Y'all we promise this is a very deep conversation and we wanted Mm -hmm. to make sure we got everything, every bit of information to you guys. Because like we say, it's a long process and it's a big decision. So it's a lot that goes into it. So we wanted to make sure y'all got all the information. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, on that same level, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. there's things that you want to look for and prepare for, right? When you're looking for your house, things like future maintenance, savings, home insurance, etc. cetera. Um, so what would you say you need to prepare when you're, good yes. in, when you're getting ready for your house? Yes. So I'll start out by saying that I found an article on CNBC.com where they talk about the 30-33 rule. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of us do not follow this. I, I know this just from glancing at the article, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we should because it'll help in the long term when it comes to maintaining your home and, you know, keeping things up. So rule number one is spend no more than 30% of your gross income on a monthly mortgage. Um, that's kind of the same with apartments too. Mm-hmm. Try to keep your monthly mortgage payment mm-hmm. to 30% or below. So that way you can handle it for the future. Yeah. Um, obviously emergencies pop up, things happen. Um, so you want to be able to have enough money left over to where you're not just drowning or like you said, becoming house poor Yeah, you want is what you room. called it. Right. You want wiggle room. Rule number two is to have 30% of the home value saved up in cash. Mm-hmm. I was like, wait a second. Mm-hmm. 30% includes 20% for the down payment or however much, you know, for the down payment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it also includes 10% as a healthy cash buffer. This is what you would use for, you know, emergencies, your AC completely breaks down and you got to replace the whole thing. This is what you would use any renovations, any, you know, you got to get a new, new pipes, new, whatever. Um, you want to have that money already on hand. Yeah. Having a savings, a steady savings. That's a, a nice size is kind of mm. necessary because mm-hmm. stuff is going to come up with the house. Even if you have new construction, it's going to come up. So you want to make sure that you have room, mm. right? You want to be able to, you're able to, exactly. to fix these things and not have to sit in a house miserable for whatever reason, yeah, you just bought it and you don't have enough money to fix it. That's kind of the scary part when you're transitioning from apartment to home. Yeah. I'm just so used to calling maintenance and then yes. they fix it, you yes. know, mm-hmm. but they don't do that at a house. So if your AC is broken, it's just broken. Mm-hmm. Like you're just SOL. Yeah. Like now there are services that offer that you can, it's, I think, I don't remember what they're called actually. But you can, there are some services that you can, you can, it's like insurance almost. You can pay them monthly. And then when you, when something breaks in your house, like your AC and appliances and stuff like that, then you yes. can just call them and they'll send someone over to fix it. And then you'll just have to pay like a, like a copay basically. I was actually getting to that. Yep. Oh, sorry. You are right. No, you're, <laughs> you're fine. You're right on par. Yes. And then just that last rule, rule number three, is the price of your home should be no more than three times your annual gross income. Um, That is a very responsible way of doing it. But I know that a lot of us are probably not going to do that. (laughs) But, you know, do as we say, not as we do. Okay. Okay. Uh, (laughs) It is what it is. This is what the people say. 
is best, but what's best ain't always what it is. Right, right. So, but that's kind of where you want to stay, that 30-33 rule. Mm -hmm. And so going into what you were talking about, some of the insurances and warranties that are going to help you maintain your home, you know, at a low cost or low risk, Mm -hmm. right? So first we start with homeowners insurance, which you already kind of went over. This is to help protect from theft, you know, pipes bursting, robbery, severe weather, that type of stuff, right? Um, and make sure, I, I, sorry, I just wanted to say, make sure that your home insurance covers the things that your area has. Cause they're like, for example, if you're in Houston, you're going to need flood insurance, but not every yep. homeowner's insurance covers floods. So make sure that you're yep. getting everything that you need in your insurance because you don't want any surprises when something happens. Exactly. So the homeowner's insurance kind of, this is how I like to think of it. I think of the homeowner's insurance insuring things that are either outside of the home or out of your control. Yeah. That's kind of how I picture it. Mm-hmm. Then you have home warranty, which is an annual service contract that basically covers the cost to repair or replace parts of your home, appliances, systems that break down, AC, all of that type of stuff. Um, so I'd like to say that the home warranty ensures things that are inside the home are kind of more in your control, yeah. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the difference. Um, and then your next kind of big insurance that you should have is what Brian was talking about, which you need some sort of disaster insurance that is relevant to your area. So here in Houston, flood insurance is huge. And we definitely suggest you get this because a lot of these disaster insurances are not typically um, included in your standard insurance packages. So be mindful that fire insurance and wildfire insurance are not the same thing. So if you wow, have fire know insurance, that. a lot of those just cover fires that start inside the home. Inside the if home. If fire starts outside mm-hmm. the home, you may not be covered. So just little new insurance, another huge scam. Yeah. But look, it's again a part of life. That's got that's no good choice. to know though. I didn't yeah. even I didn't even know that. Yeah, I thought County, fire was just fire. Oregon, <laughs> like, Washington, and just know that they're trying to screw you. of course but yes you definitely want to make sure you have some sort of disaster insurance of some kind and a lot of times you can get them as like riders on your regular insurance right like add-ons yeah Mm -hmm. yeah uh, so and then you know if you're going through your regular home insurance they'll give you discount do they have tornado insurance yeah Mm mm-hmm they have, oh they gosh. literally have like dust every single girl you can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I heard about that. Like mm-hmm. dust storms. Mm-hmm. Like they like have in insurance Kansas. for that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh yeah. my God. That is crazy. Okay. Okay. So that's the next major one. And then you also have, now this is if you really balling. Okay. You also have individual appliance warranty. So basically you can get warranties for each of the separate appliances in your home. So then when you add that with your home warranty, it acts as kind of like a double warranty. Mm -hmm. And I've heard of people getting like rebates and cash back because of the home and, you know, the home warranty plus the, you know, appliance warranty and they come together and you, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah, I was like, oh crap. Like y'all are paying me to fix my stuff. Mm -hmm. That's what's up. I could dig that. So yeah. Yeah. 
Um, it helps with that. Or you could just plain just get free replacements, you know, when you double up those warranties. So all of that matters. It's a lot to take care of your home, but it's worth it in the end. Cause I can tell you personally, I know someone who has, well, I don't have to say I know someone, my mother, it's my mom. She has just hit 10 years in her house. Her house was newly constructed, brand new. So it was fine, but now she's hit 10 years. And a lot of you guys know at 10 years, that's when everything wants to break down. Yeah. Everything wants to stop working. Um, so, you know, she's having to deal with that now. So you want to make sure that you have as many insurances as you can, even though yeah. they're stuck, but mm -hmm. they still help eventually. Yeah. Um, and then of course you have, you know, HOA, like Brian talked about, um, property taxes, but the benefit of HOA, even though you hear HOA and you think, Oh, I gotta pay all this extra money. Yeah, there are benefits. But there are benefits. They do actually keep up your neighborhood. They, you know, they, what do they, they cut the grass, they trim the trees. Mm -hmm. They, all of that keeps your house, the appraisal high. Right. Um, what is it called? Right. Property value. The, uh, yes. Property yeah, value. Property so that way you're, so that way your neighborhood is not depreciating and you're not losing money mm -hmm. on your house, yeah. you know? And whether or not so, you want to sell, that stuff is still important because like we said, that's part of your net worth. So that's part right. of how much you, you know, are worth as a person, I guess. That's an important thing in our society. Uh, but yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, your value as a person is weighted in how much your net worth is. Uh, if you have mm -hmm. nothing, you are nothing. Nothing. Um, in the eyes of the government. <laughs> yes. Um. But as far as, you know, property taxes go, and I think honestly, I just kind of want to make this comment is that when you are done paying on your home, you have paid off your home. You have completely, you completely own this house. Now you are done. HOA and property taxes do not go away. Mm -hmm. Those good. will, con you will have to continue paying them even long past. Mm -hmm. You know, owning the home. I mean, just so, like a car. You still got to pay for your car insurance. You still exactly. got to pay for your, your, you know, maintenance fees and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. even when you own the same car. thing, mm -hmm. same thing. And same thing with your insurances and warranty and all of that. Mm -hmm. That's still a, a, a payment you have to make. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, it's a lot to owning a home, but it's definitely necessary because when that one big thing breaks down, you're going to need it. It's you going to need it. You definitely gonna need it. So, oh, what about some? Um, so I know you said you got some advice from some realtors. Yes, I was I was really excited for this part because I was like, really "Ooh, let me see what they um, got to so say." So I talked to three Houston area real realtors, mm -hmm. my own included. Um, mm -hmm. And so, oh, uh, basically, I just asked them like, "What?" What, what do new home buyers need to know that they don't know? How can I make home buying as easy as possible for me? Um, right. So I'm going to just go in order of who said what. So the mm -hmm. first um, real estate agent that I talked to, his name is Eric Malik, and I'll give you his website and social media after. So the first piece of advice that he gave was a good rule of thumb that I always let renters know. And this is for people that, you know, if you've never bought a house before and you're just coming from a history of renting, their rental payment is around 30% higher than a mortgage payment would be for the same house. So 
like we said, renting is much more expensive in monthly payments than owning, but there's other things that come into, um, you know, play when it comes to, to expenses of owning a house. Okay. Second piece of advice he said was when it comes to uh, the, the DTI, the debt to income ratio, um, mm-hmm. you want to make sure that you are contacting an informative lender or a broker to make sure that you're getting the best deal, right? So you don't want to get screwed over. Right. Um, and you also want them to be able to help you, right? To work with you. So make sure that you get a good lender. Also, make sure that um, you have a good agent, like we talked about before. Most good agents, like we said, is gonna ha- are going to have a few lenders that they already work with and that they specialize in each scenario, whether it be like a first-time home buyer or if you have challenging credit or um, this is your second home or you're upgrading or something like that. They have lenders that they work with that specialize in each little thing. So make oh, sure that your that. agent, yeah, mm-hmm. make sure that your agent, like we said, is somebody trusted that that you know is going to be able to do those those nuanced things for you right little mistakes that are easily fixable that first-time buyers often make he talked about inspections um being probably like the main issue usually home buyers will freak over freak out over like small details like the ground wires not meeting code or like older Mm -hmm. builds having cosmetic issues and stuff like that but Mm -hmm. just like we said before to be reminded that those things can be easily remedied for very cheap after moving in so don't mm-hmm. freak out over every little thing because there's so many things to freak out about <laughs> during the home buying process that stuff right that little stuff is not worth it we talked about this again a little bit but a good realtor is going to know how to negotiate with the client as well as the lender so make sure that you find a, a real estate agent that's able to find that balance and go back and forth as a liaison for you and for the lender back and forth So the main things he said you should be concerned about when doing an inspection is um, the foundation, the water Mm -hmm. heater, whether or not you have termites, your HVAC, which is your AC and stuff, and then uh, the roof and make sure there's no standing water. Everything else can be handled after transaction. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, that helps to like know precisely which things to really, really look out for. Yeah. He said that a lot of buyers are surprisingly under the impression that they have to pay their agent and that worries people but agents don't get paid by buyers agents get agents get paid by sellers the buyers pay the closing costs and the sellers are the ones that pay the commissions right so find a good real estate agent because they're gonna get their commission either way mm-hmm. right so make sure that you get somebody that's going to be fighting for you and for their own money right right um last little piece of advice he gave me here was um looking for for red flags right when new buyers are looking as far as like their agents and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so he said by law agents should always have multiple sources for any part of the transaction whether that be lenders inspectors like whatever Mm -hmm. um okay so if you feel like at any time like you're being forced into something or you feel like your agent's not serving you or not negotiating well or even, you know, something as simple as them not, like you said, your friend, like them not being available for questions, mm-hmm. drop mm-hmm. them. There are a million real estate agents out there and there are a lot of people out there that will help you. They're looking out for you. So drop that real estate agent, find the representation that you need. Because the agent should always put their client first, right? That's their job. Right. The buyer should also know that they can shop 
around for lenders as well, right? If they don't feel comfortable with a lender, they feel like they're getting pressured into a certain APR or something like that. Shop around, find another favorable loan, you know, with terms and rates that are going to make you, you know, give give you what you're looking for. Wow. Um, yeah. So this was from uh, Eric Malik. His Facebook is Malik Will Move You. Um, Cute. And his, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> and his uh, website is Malik. And Malik is M-A-L-E-K. MalikRealEstate.com. Nice. All right, so this is from our next real estate agent. Her name is Angela Conway. She basically just said that, you know, what we were talking about before, interest rates are historically low right now. So make sure that you're looking at, you know, what you want, right? Look at, you're able now to have a little bit more more wiggle room. Since they're historically low, you're allowed to purchase more house. So her Instagram, her social media is AJ is my realtor on Instagram and her Facebook page is also AJ is my realtor. Oh, okay. Yeah. I looked her up. <laughs> I remember who she was. Hey, Miss Angela. I remember. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, she just helped um, another one of our friends buy a house from church. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and by the way, these are all, like I said, trusted real estate agents that I've you know, I know the people who they work with. They have great records, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Well, and I know Miss um, Angela, so I can vouch for her too. Mm-hmm. She is a yeah. wonderful person. She's always been very sweet, super sweet and, and caring and everything. So, so last but not least is our real estate agent. Her name is Brittany Earl, and she gave several little nuggets here. So, I'm gonna read them down mm-hmm. for you. So, first thing you want to do is find agents who offer agent contributions toward closing costs. So basically agent contribution is just basically a little boost off of their commission that they can help you with closing costs. That's it. That's all it means. Hmm. So some agents will do that. Well, they'll give you a piece of their commission to help you out with your closing. Really? Mm -hmm. So selfless. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And Brittany does that. She did that with our house, with the one we live in right now, even in renting, she helped us out. Brittany How? helped us move. Look, I'll, I'll get to her. In the end, she's going to make me cry. No. <laughs> um, so second thing she said was, um, don't add any new credit items three months prior to shopping for a home. So that's, you want to build up your credit before you start shopping, right? So three months mm-hmm. before, don't add any, anything new so that you can, you know, your credit can stabilize and you're in the right space for it. Okay. Right. For first-time home buyers, start with new construction homes to ensure equity in the future. So when you're buying old homes, you're mm-hmm. kind of going from the negative, right? right. Um, so when you're buying new construction, you're starting from base level, right? You're starting from from zero and you're building from there. Um, okay. So when you're buying a new house and you're just like for the very first time, you you want your starter home to be building equity so that for maybe in the future when you want to buy a secondary home, you you have that equity under your belt. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's a good point. Yeah. Um <laughs> so October is the best time of year to buy since a lot of builders have already met their sales quotas, so prices get dropped. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay, good to know. All right. Another one she dropped was that the USDA is booming right now. And um, should be looked into if your area, if it's in your area and um, you would consider it's 100% government financed 
um, which means it's a government protected loan. So, um, the, that's the U S department of agriculture. They're they're selling you land. Um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, Mm -hmm. even if you're thinking like, oh, I just want to do a house. I don't want to deal with that. It it might be a lot cheaper and a lot safer for you to do, um, a, a a federally protected loan. So just look into that. Awesome. Um, And then she said, always, always, always choose an escrow account. Escrow accounts protect you from foreclosure. The monthly payment may seem like more and the house loan. Oh, I'm sorry. The monthly payment may seem like more than the house loan, but it's because it includes your property taxes um, throughout the year. So you don't have to pay a huge lump sum once at the end of the year. Mm hmm. Okay. I've heard about that. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of didn't understand what escrow was for until you just said it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess that is one of those extra things that will help you kind of like home insurance, you know, just kind of help you stay afloat and protect you. So her name again is Brittany Earl, uh, B R I T T A N Y last name Earl E A R L. Um, her Facebook is Brittany Earl realtor. She does offer closing contributions herself. She offers 1.5% for any transaction. Wow. Yeah. She's, I'm, look, Brittany is wow. truly a blessing of a real estate agent. She has helped us with renters stuff twice now. And like I said, her awesome. Facebook is Brittany Earl Realty. She has, um, if you have any questions for her, you can just email her directly. Brittany at mihrealty.com. Shout out to all of our realtors. Thank you guys for giving your advice and letting us share it. And, you know, hopefully, you know, some people will go check you out. So thank you. Thank you. Thank all. you. All thank of you guys you. go check them out. Check out their websites and their their social media. These people, it, this is these are, like I said, Houston area. But like Brittany, she has her real estate license in a couple of different states, you know, so. Even if you're not wow. in Texas, check in with these people. They might have their real estate license in more than one place. So they might be able to still help you out, even if they're not in Houston. And these are people that will fight for you, that have fought for people that we know, right? People that we can mm-hmm. vouch for. Okay. So finally rounding out this video. This We're going to leave you guys. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you're doing a podcast in case you didn't realize. <laughs> I love how you corrected me. Like, um, this is a podcast. Hey, welcome. Welcome to your podcast. It's called Dear Me. <laughs> My bad, y'all. My bad. It's been a long day. I'm, you know, it's fine. Um, <laughs> we're rounding out this podcast episode. And we're going to go ahead and leave you guys with some resources that you mm-hmm. can kind of take, do some extra research on your own. Now that you've heard us babble for what seems like forever. It does. So what are some resources you have that you want to leave people with? Um, basically, the couple of places that I mentioned before, Quicken Loans, Rocket Mortgage, those places have a lot of, lot of really great resources for first-time buyers in particular. Uh, putting apps on your phone like HAR um, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Zillow, kind of iffy, but HAR is generally a lot of information when you're shopping around for houses um and right. even down to like the schools in the neighborhood the crime rate what the hoa fees are mm-hmm. what your approximate mortgage would be based on you know perfect credit mm-hmm. and perfect apr and stuff like that 
Um, so you get a general, a more general idea of what it's going to look like when you get in the house. Right. Yeah. Kind of piggybacking off what you said as well. Um, yeah. Zillow.com. It's, it's okay, but it's, it's not my first choice that I use. Mm-hmm. Realtor.com is another good one mm-hmm. where you can go in there and, you know, like you said, kind of um, project your payment based on their property values and how much you put down and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Yeah. Um, they also have a pretty good informative blog um, as well. So if you want to just kind of read more information on home buying and what that looks like. Yeah. I would also suggest Experian or something of the sort to get you started. If you have mm-hmm. no idea what your credit looks like at all, I suggest credit going card. in... Or credit karma, yes. Or credit karma. I suggest going in and just taking a look around because mm-hmm. you would be surprised at what things were put on your credit um, or things that you never even heard of that were on your credit, which no. I had that happen to me. Yes, for sure. And that's what we were talking about at the beginning because that stuff that you never heard of, dispute, dispute, dispute. Yes, um, dispute. Now, just be mindful that, like we said before, they're looking at your FICO score, not your Experian, not your TransUnion, and Credit Karma doesn't tell you your FICO, but it's usually not that far off. If if you, like, average your Experian and your TransUnion, you'll probably get your FICO, but that's not 100%, so don't quote me on that, but it's it works most of the time. So, I do actually see my FICO score on my Experian account, but I mm-hmm. wonder if it's because I pay for it. Yes, it is. Okay, well, then that's why. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, yeah, if you guys really want to get serious about that, mm-hmm. get you some, some paid accounts. I can see it there. I can also see it on my, um, my bank, my banking app, my yep. Wells Fargo mm-hmm. app. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's also another place. That as well. Yeah, so that's another place you guys can look um, as well mm-hmm. if you just kind of want to check out what's going on. Another thing I would say to look into is if you are a first-time homebuyer, make sure you research your first-time homebuyer programs Mm -hmm. that are offered in the state. So I know Texas has the My First Texas Home program. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's I want to say pretty much every state has one. So definitely do the research and find out what your state has several. Right, Mm -hmm. right. So yeah, and then of course you want to look into um, federal first-time home buyer programs. You have the Home Path Ready Buyer Program and the Good Neighbor Next Door Program. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there are federal loans like Brian had talked about the FHA loans, the USDA loans, like uh, that realtor mentioned, mm-hmm. VA loans, like Brian mentioned, and then there's something called Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac loans, which I've never heard of, mm-hmm. but. I know, right? When I saw Fannie Mae, I was like, Sally Mae? Like, uh, or maybe this is her cousin? cousin? I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Stop making the same jokes as me. God. I know, right? <laughs> um, but yes. Um, so definitely want to look into that. I also read that there are programs that help you based on your career or your mm-hmm. industry. So I've heard of like teacher home buying programs, nurse I think it's called Nurse Next Door. Um, It's a home buying program for nurses. So um, yeah, like it's it's out there, y'all. We got the money. The the U.S. has the money. It's out there. And you can stack them. Okay. You can stack them. Yes. So you don't just have to go with one. That's the most expensive because we're using the VA and the teachers for me and for him. Oh, really? I didn't Mm -hmm. know that. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. 
Yeah. Oh, congrats for you guys. That's so cool. <laughs> Even better knowing you could stack them, expensive. you know? It's still hella expensive. <laughs> but it'll help because it, it could have been more expensive. Yeah. It could have been 100% with closing costs. So, yeah. And um, I think that's pretty much what I got, you know, just to kind of start you off. Obviously, yeah. there's plenty of information on this out there in the world. So make sure you do your research. Like Brian said, find the right real estate agent, find the right lender. And just make sure you're staying informed, mm. you know? I mean, obviously your real estate agent and your lender, your attorney, they're all there to help you, but you need to be informed yourself so yeah. that way you know if anything's a little fishy, yes, you know? Absolutely. That's Do all research, I got. hop on Google, do your thing. Hop on, hop on, hop off, hop on, hop on. That's all I got. Yeah, me too. Happy hunting. That was a hell. That was a hell of an episode. Wow. Yeah, I know. We're at what is it? Oh, two hours. Holy hell! Actually, an hour fifty six. If you cut out some of the the, yeah. the pauses, so. But hey, I That's think we gave plenty of good information. You know, yeah. There's obviously more that you can look into and research, and more that your realtor will be able to tell you, mm-hmm. lender, attorney. But uh, hopefully this is a good start for you guys. Yeah. And hopefully you liked it. You know? I liked it. I learned a lot. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> I liked it so you like it too. <laughs> <laughs> Me like talking so you like episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Oh, I am. Yeah, so we're tired. Right yeah, we're tired. <laughs> Um, but that's it for this episode. You guys know where to follow us at Dear Me Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And both of our personal handles are in the bios. Yeah. So give us a look. Check us out. Check out Brian's talk to me on the internet. Brian's kids and then my I don't know, what am I posting? I don't know. I don't know. You need a dog. Let me post an I know, I need a dog or something. Well, we're we're piecing out now, and yeah, stay tuned for our next episode. <laughs> right, yeah, you're gonna love the next episode. We're gonna get real. Yeah, I I I think so too. I think it's gonna be very eye opening. So mm-hmm, for sure, stay tuned, and we'll catch you guys next time. Bye, bye, bye.